You're listening to the B-Side Podcast on Brick Radio. If you like what you hear or think there's an artist or band we should have in the studio, let us know in the comments. Otherwise, sit back, relax, tune in, and turn on. The blood of Louisiana and Texas flanks its essence so deeply that the great migration to Brooklyn brought all that bayou north with him. And with it, spiritual cries that anchored the creation of his music, giving way to a conferring of divine illumination. A people's musician, Matthew Hartnett, embodies that larger-than-life bighorn sound that works its way inside you, steers your emotions, releases its power, and calls upon you to uncontrollably dance. After touring with esteemed powerhouses such as Lauren Hill, Talib Kweli, and Kirk Franklin, it's Matthew's time to step forward and give us his solo project. I'm your host, Kenyatta Beasley, and don't move, because Matthew's here tonight to share the versatility of his one-of-a-kind voice right here on B-Side. Welcome, welcome to B-Side, Matt Hartnett, man. Great, great, good to see you. Uh, can you introduce this wonderful band that you, uh, you've assembled yes. for us today? Um, so on bass today we have Jed Lingates. Yeah. Lingate. On keys we got Eddie Moore. Woo. On guitar we have Bobby Wesley. Woo. On drums we have Eric Brown. And on um, saxophone we have Brent Burkhead. We got uh, Lee Hogan's on trumpet. Yeah. And Kenneth Bentley back there on the sousaphone. Okay. Oh, great. So this is like a pretty big ensemble that you've uh, like yeah, you brought, yeah. brought together for B-Side today. Yeah. And it's kind of, uh, you know, reminiscent of where we're from, man, but the yeah. Louisiana-Texas connection, man. So you're from uh, originally Houston? 
Uh, so my family's from Lake Charles. Huh? You know, got to represent. And yes. um, I was raised in Houston, Texas. Okay, man. So your um, what are your musical influences? Like, what what actually got you involved in music at an early age? Uh man. What's funny um, is uh, I had a friend in school, and uh, at the time I was in fifth grade, and uh, my best friend was a girl named Christine Wynn. Okay. Um, and we were like, yeah, we're gonna get in band together. Cool. Woo, what you gonna play? I'm gonna play clarinet. I'm like, me too. So, <laughs> right. That's, that's not a clarinet. This is definitely not a clarinet. I took one look at that clarinet class and realized all my homies was on the other side of the classroom. So I was like, can I play whatever they're playing? Right. I don't want to be over here. <laughs> so I just played trombone. I didn't even know what was over there. I just. So you just picked it. up, so you just gravitated toward the trombone. And, and here you are. Um, yeah. Man, so, so are you from a musical family or? No, what's crazy in my family is like, all the boys, the, the male grandchildren have this music gene activated. Mm -hmm. Like no one else is like really a professional musician. My oldest cousin, he was playing in church though, like for the big church at like nine years old. Mm -hmm. Choir directing and everything. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do anything with music these days. Right, right, right. Um, my little cousin, he picked up saxophone and was like a savant instantly. Just, and but he doesn't play music now. So right. like you know, I'm kind of the only one that just did it. So basically, your 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 background kind of is, is derived from the church, in a sense. Yeah, I, I was like classically trained. So I was like a classical music major in college and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, when I started working professionally. Because I mean, I live in the church capital of America. Yes, you know, yes, it is. We gotta yes, it play is. in church. <laughs> I definitely uh, grew up musically. I, I say grew up musically, meaning like 19, 20 mm -hmm. um, years old uh, in the club playing R and B and playing church on Sundays. So, as uh, from your upbringing, you went to uh, Texas Texas Southern University. Texas Southern University, and I'm, I'm assuming that you were a music major. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, because sometimes musicians kind of like fall into it from different angles. Like, oh, I really want no, to be this. No. And, and well, at least at TSU, it's such a great music like legacy that's there. Like the Crusaders are from there. Right. Like Conrad Johnson, mm -hmm. Barely Hall. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Just, <laughs> just math. Billy Harper. Like, so many people are, have come through there. The same practice rooms I was in. So. So normally the migration, because we're we're both some from the same area. Mm -hmm. For us, it's usually to go to California in somewhere that's kind of real comfortable, <laughs> right. laid back, kind of, you know, yeah. like, like where we're from. What, what initiated the decision from you to move to the gritty, dirty city Ooh. of New York? So, um, let you in on some, some inside stuff. So when I was um, at TSU, uh, it was like 2006 or 2007, I played at the, the Music World Church. And so rumor was Destiny Child was going to get back together and do a reunion concert or do a reunion tour. My boy Luke Austin was at TSU. Luke Austin is a super famous producer who was going to school with us. Um, and he was the MD for that. And he was like, yeah, man, you know, pull you in on that. And I told myself, if this flakes, I'm not going to stay in Houston. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave and go to New York. So 2008 came around. It almost but didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I decided then, I was like, all right, well, I got to go get it. I can't sit around in Houston waiting. No one's going to come to Houston and say, oh, I'm looking for a horn player. They'll go to Houston looking for drummers and all these other cats, you know, that play with all these great uh, gospel legends and stuff, but they won't come looking for horn players. So I came to where all the horn players were um, and where the market was, so now it's New York.
when you were at Texas Southern, were, were you part of the marching band experience? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So how, how did that shape you? Because I notice a lot of people from the South, they bring that whole experience with them. Like, you can, you can hear it when they play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how was your experience with the, uh, that HBCU marching? marching band I mean, you know, I marched in the Ocean of Soul. I did uh, two swag years. Ocean of Soul? Uh, the Ocean of Soul. Okay. Yeah, man, it was, it was great, man. Um, marching uh, at TSU was like some of the highlights of my entire musical life. There's like nothing like having 200, 300 people with you and you're all playing, and like you can literally feel the music. You're not just playing it, but like you literally feel it in your body. People talk about different things, like you know, two or more being gathered, or just having unity and like good vibes and all that kind of stuff. Well, imagine all of that synced in, and like 300 people though. Yeah. Like it's super powerful. It just it stayed with me. So I, after that, I'm just you well, know. because the, the HBCU experience. I mean, from from what I remember is man, it's it's for the football games. It's usually more about yeah. the band of the football right. game. <laughs> right. <laughs> like the real show was at halftime. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. The football games is just an excuse for the bands to come and do their thing. <laughs> like we, I remember homecoming one year. We literally shut the football <laughs> game down. Like the crowd was in the end zone during right. the football game. <laughs> <laughs> in front of the bands. It was like us in Alabama State battling back and forth. It was it was epic. So so as we migrate north, you said that you moved to uh, New York and you came to the new school. So I'm assuming that's two two totally different experiences. Yeah. You know, it's well because of the marching band experience, um, I think that geared me more toward wanting to be in horn sections. My mm. first professional gig was in a horn section. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I had quick ears, and um, the guys around me had quick ears, so we could just kind of do whatever in real time really fast. You know, I kind of just polished that skill, and when I came to New York, that's really just what I did. I never actually wanted to be a solo artist. Mm. I, my dream was just to always really, like, play behind Bilal or play behind, like, Miss Hill or play behind, you know, Sister Jill, or, you know. So I wanted to just be in the background playing the horn lines. You know, that's, <laughs> that's all I really wanted, you know? Right. Um, the solo thing really came, um, I guess, out of necessity. Okay. I needed to elevate my horn section and get us into higher um, paying position, higher prestige, you know, um, mm -hmm. jobs and stuff. And I was like, man, I have to break out and do something that's gonna get attention. Right. And when the attention's on me, then I can bring my guys and be like, hey, we do this too. So when you start working with these big name artists that we'll talk about in a second, is there, is there a name for this horn section? That, uh, um, well, the so, Because it's, it's, I remember it being like a conglomeration of different musicians. Yeah, yeah. So the conglomeration of uh, different musicians all over the world, um, we kind of like our franchise, <laughs> it's a team horn section. Right. So that's the name of- Hashtag, uh, hashtag team, team horn, horn section. section. Yeah, that's, please say the hashtag. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's that, and it started by Ezra Brown. Ezra was going around doing his thing, and then he met me, and we became a, a tag team, and then we would just bring in different trumpet players or whatever we needed to, to make it happen. And that's how I, I started doing that stuff, man, and we just really made a name for ourselves around town. So your, your uh, first big horn section gig in New York, after you've been at the new school for a second, was with whom? Lauren Hill? I, Talib Kweli was was before Lauren Hill. Okay. Yeah, Talib I think was the first big horn section gig I had. So, so I mean, you've basically worked with a wide array of artists from, like we said, Talib Kweli, Lauren Hill. Got to work with Kirk Franklin, Belial. In your opinion, which 
artist was the best person to work with or you had the most the most fun experience working with? Ah, oh, man. Okay, it's a toss-up, really. Mm -hmm. The most fun gig um, that I have is a toss-up between the Bilal gig mm -hmm. and this gig with Blitz the Ambassador. Okay. That Those are my two favorite gigs. Blitz and Ambassador is, is really a team horn section gig. Mm -hmm. um, I played a Bilal gig with uh, Igmar Thomas and um, and his horn section, mm -hmm. but it's just me and him. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's just the, the vibe, man. Like Bilal just has a, a great vibe. We have a lot of fun on the shows. And in Blitz the Ambassador show, we get to do like all of our moves. We're dancing, we kicking, we like in the crowd. That's the HBCU you know, the HBCU vibe. Yeah. There you go. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> So Matt, um, horn section, trombonist to the stars. You, <laughs> I mean, that's that's what he is, man. He's he's worked at all the big name act. Uh, but I want to make sure that we can actually talk about your debut release called Southern Comfort. I'm looking at the artwork, and it seems like this record embodies your journey from Houston and Lake Charles all the way up to uh, to New York City. Tell us about this record, man. Essentially, that record is the embodiment of all things that make up me, and it's all there on the cover. Um, the artist was able to capture church, marching band, good food. Uh, that's that's pretty much is what makes me. I'm like a 
classic uh, Southern boy, pretty much through and through. That's so where can, where can we buy, um, purchase this? Is it directly from you, Bandcamp? Um, well, what's... you can get it directly from me, or you can go to iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Spotify, all places online. You can get those. Um, you can get hard copies also from Amazon, too, or just directly from me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, whichever one. <laughs> so before we run out of time, I want to make sure that we hear as much music as possible. Can you set up the last two songs for us? All right. The last two songs are my favorite part of the set. We just going to go to Louisiana. We just going to stay there. So uh, I'm going to do a little little singing. Hopefully y'all can join along with me and, you know. Ain't, ain't, nothing, ain't nothing wrong <laughs> with a little bit of Louisiana. On the bayou. Yeah, come on, y'all. We're sitting on the bio. I said to my grandma, told your grandma, she gonna light that ass on fire. Talking about hey now, hey now, Ico, Ico, Ande. A Jacomo Fino, Anane. I said a Jacomo Fino, Anane. They have that fire. Some boudin, some gumbo hey, at the house, hey, man. Hey, hey. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I'll serve some of that outside. Man, man bring me some. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's time to come down from our music high <laughs> and re-enter the Brooklyn realm. Thank you, Matthew Hartnett, for taking us down south in style and comfort. You can keep up with Matthew on Instagram at Matthew Hartnett. I'm Kenyatta Beasley, and I really hope that you enjoyed this episode of B-Side. Be sure to check in or stop by our Brick House studio every Thursday to hear more of the best music that Brooklyn has to offer. You can also check out this and past episodes anytime at youtube.com slash BrickTV. The B-Side podcast is produced by Charlie Hoxie, Keisha Cole, Ro Johnson, and Sasha Mathias. Recorded by Onel Mulet and edited by Emily Bogosian. For more information on B-Side and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio.